0: Father, I pray that, as we sang earlier, that you would open the eyes of our heart, just to view you, to see you, uh, to love you, that there'd be no barriers this morning uh, between us getting a real clear view of your glory um, and us honoring you uh, because of who you are and the way you made us to be and to be in relationship with you. Um, God, we just pray that your spirit would help us with that, um, would speak to us. Uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism if you don't know what a catechism is a catechism is this basic tool for teaching um, about uh, the, basic, uh, the basic teachings of scripture basically in, in this question and answer form so it asks a question and then it responds to it with the answer And the, so the question posed in the Shorter Catechism is what is God? and the answer it gives is this it says, God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. Wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And so for some people who who have this great familiarity with God, they listen to that and they go, wow. Wow. And the people who don't, don't have any familiarity with the God listen to that and they're like, thanks. you know." And it's this real, like, how how do we... How do we begin to, to sound the depths of that? And As I was thinking about this, I, I, I thought of... Have, if you've ever gone to like a food co-op or a farmer's market or something like that, oftentimes there'll be people selling cheese, right? And they'll they have this tray of cheese, very expensive cheeses. And, and you know just by the way it's set up. And they're all white cheeses because white cheeses are always expensive cheeses. And... And... <laughs> And there's one on there with a little blue in it and, and every, the person right before you takes it and they eat it and they're like, wow. Oh. and They're, and they're, they're having this divine pleasure in this cheese. And you go up and you pick it up and, you, and you're like, oh. Oh. And you're, and you're like, what am I missing? Right? And that, that's what it's like with God. We can see these people that are like, like in the midst of worship and, and we'll be like, what are you, what, you know, what's, what's drawing you to, to worship? And they're like, Oh, the, the omnipotence of God. You're like, who? Right? And so, so how do we how do we begin this this search to actually know God, right? When when it seems like uh, it seems like we're just constantly missing out on on maybe what he's trying to what he's trying to offer, and then what people are telling us about him. Um, <laughs> So today we're going to lay the foundation of, of not only knowing God uh, and that that's very daunting. And also um, just what it means, uh, why it's important that we actually have correct knowledge of God. And that's really important because um, maybe the most frequently when you talk to somebody about God, what they're going to bring to you is an idea of God that that you just ask, where do you get that? And they'll say to you, well, it's, it's what I came up with. And so where do we even get correct understanding about God? Um, is, is, there, is there even the possibility of being able to to get right ideas about this, this God that is invisible, is almighty, is creator of everything? And, and the Bible says so he's, he's closer than near you, he's all around you, and yet, at the same time, it seems like so inaccessible at points. So, so how do we do that? Um, we're going to start with a, an assumption that maybe isn't safe for everyone. And that assumption is that um, that if there's a God, that you want to know Him. Um, but that's not that's <laughs> not true for everyone. I realize that some people um, are very good at not knowing God, uh, and that's the case. It says that that many. It says not not just many, but but all have lived in darkness. Right? We've all lived in ignorance. And so that's the beginning. Even those who come, and they have this great desire to form correct thoughts of God, alone they are in ignorance. Um, and then there's those that are just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just having a hate it. I'm, this is great. I don't even want to, I don't even care. Um, and so there's this a quote I have for you guys uh, by a guy named Albert Camus. And, and you don't need to know that name, but he, he headed up this philosophy called absurdism. But he was asked by monks to come and speak to them, because they, they said, you know, what, what do you think a Christian should do? Um, and so this is, this is really actually helpful as I read this. It was an, a, a speech he, he told The Unbeliever. And he says, What the world expects of Christians is that the Christians should speak out loud and clear and that they should voice their condemnation in such a way that, ne- that never a doubt, never the slightest doubt, could rise in the heart of the simplest man. That they should get away from the abstractions and confront the bloodstained face history has taken on today. The grouping we need is a grouping of men resolved to speak out clearly and to pay it personally. When a Spanish bishop blesses political executions, he ceases to be a bishop or a Christian or even a man. He's a dog just like the one who backed up an ideology, orders the executions uh, without doing the dirty work himself. We are still waiting, and I'm waiting for a group of those who refuse to be dogs and are resolved to pay the price that must be paid so that man can be something more than a dog. Right? And so what he's saying is that he's waiting, and, and I believe there's a lot of people waiting for for Christians to be very clear. And that's what, honestly, that's why I love this song. The first time I heard this song, I was just weeping. And part of it is because usually when we... A lot of our music and a lot of the ways we present things today are either in the form of feelings or questions. And so it's either like... Um, like, I just feel this way until I don't feel it anymore. Or, or we're always addressing something in, in this, I'm, I'm standing on this unsure ground of doubt, and so everything I'm doubting. I'm just doubting, doubting, doubting. And what's amazing about this song, is we need more worship like this, We're just like, this is God. Because the Bible's, the Bible's presentation of God is just, here is God. Right? And, and it's very clear with the way it speaks about God, but we've so reverted to well how do I how do I feel about god or or <laughs> we start with the god of the philosophers what can I re- what reasonable foundation can i create for god to stand on and what is he going to stand on and so and so we we can't we can't start there um, because oftentimes what we uh, what we say is way cooler than what we actually believe so <laughs> So, oftentimes, even as Christians, we can come and we can be like, man, I, I believe that, that God has everything we need for life. But then, in the act of believing, oftentimes we just live these lives of, of absurd doubt. And so, so where, do, where do we get our bearing in this world where, where often we're just so ruled by the confusion of feelings or the confusion of conversation, right? I know, guys. I know conversation just abounds in our lives, whether that's with other people or just like inward thinking. Right? Conversation abounds. So, so where are we, uh, and how do we speak into this? Um, first we seek we seek authority, right? We someone who actually can speak into this uh, with with right thoughts and and you guys know this so if you ever like have been to a gathering of people watching football. And you have the people that are, like, really invested in it. And they know, like, every player on every team, they're, like, 35, that guy's awesome. And they, like, give all the stats for the last five years of his life. And then you have a person that's just like, I just really like their helmets. <laughs> right? And so you're not, gonna, you're not gonna listen to that person about who's gonna actually win the game. Right? Well, I just, just... I think the way the colors complement each other are awesome. Right? And that's why I'm rooting for him. Versus the person who's actually saying... Well, with their track record, I, I, think, I think that's why we should go in this direction. <laughs> right? Speaking about football, but, but this is often the ways we enter conversation in, uh, about God, or about any religion. You have all these people that are like, well, th- just think because they live, they're an authority on it. Right? And that's not the case. And the fact is, guys, just because you've lived for however many years you have, it doesn't make you a great authority on life itself. Right? Because oftentimes we're even too fearful to invest in life. Right? Because we're scared about making wrong decisions. Or, because we, we really live in this, this sea of, um, this just great, uh, sea of, of being that, like, we have a hard time, like, finding even where we stand in it. Um, and so where we begin is, we, I am very skeptical of my own thoughts. Okay, so I don't come to you today being like, well, I've really, I've, I, you know, I just, I spent years in the Himalayas just wrestling with my own identity, and, and this is what I'm offering to you. I can't do that. If you guys ask me the most basic question about what is love, I'm going to have a hard time with that, right? Even, even though I, I know in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, and, and, I, and I have to go back to that, because if you guys ask me what love is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw on this whole experience that I've had, and that might come out like, there's, I think love is just, is a bitter joke. Right? That's, that's what we can form. Well, where do you get that? Well, that's just what I've experienced. So, oftentimes, we're like little boys who are like scooping water out of the sea and bringing it back, and be like, look at the ocean. (laughs) Right? But that's, that's not how we receive true knowledge. Right? From all of us taking our own little individual stands upon something. Um, So this is this is where we stand: is that we, without receiving from God, there is no ability for having relationship with Him. And that's what's amazing: is God. God created us to have relationship, and our whole being cries out for that. There's no need to create a foundation there and saying, "I don't need to convince you that you need a relationship." Right? You do. You know it. And so where we stand on this beginning of, okay, how, so how do we have a relationship then with God? Well, relationships begin by communication. And so we live as Christians upon the articulation of God. Without God actually articulating, we are at a complete loss. Um, so there's no, there's no way to start apart from that. No matter No matter... Uh, where you live, what philosophy you come from, without the articulation of God, there's no ability to have correct knowledge of Him. Saving knowledge of Him. Um, Because we get get so caught up in in trying to exalt our own ideas um, that it it becomes not only harmful for us, um, but completely dishonoring of God. And I've given this uh, example to a few of you guys, and it's really true. Like, what... What if, right, someone came up to me and they're like, you, I just, I, the reason why I like hanging out with you is because your passion for NASCAR. And I'm like, I don't have a passion for NASCAR. I, I, I don't. Maybe I could develop one, I don't know. But, where it stands now, I don't. But that's the way we, we act towards God. We're like, we praise him for these things. And you're like, and God's like, I, like, uh, that's not me. Right? Oftentimes we, we come to God and we're like, um, we, we have these ideas of God that are so wrapped up in, um, it may be what we wish He would be like, that then we start, it, it, it's this classic form of making your own higher power, right? No, making your own higher power will never save you. Um, because it, it only is higher to the extent that you're able to somehow project outside of yourself, right? Um, so God speaks into that. Um, and we live upon his articulation. Uh, in Deuteronomy 8, 1-3, he says, Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply and enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember that the Lord led you through the wilderness these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether, whether or not you will obey his commands. Listen to this verse. It says, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And this is interesting. He he humbled you by letting you go hungry. Because he loved you, he let you go hungry to know that you needed to be fed. Right, there. There is this process in our lives of needing to learn, and that's that's the kind of the, the first idea here, <laughs> is that that we don't um, we don't begin with this <laughs> this great uh, this great knowledge that just seem, somehow needs to be like drawn to the surface, right? So since the fall, man has been ignorant. And what needs to happen is we need to be taught and God's going through this process of teaching then men who have, have exalted themselves and exalted their own ideas and so long lived by their own thoughts. Because this is what you see in the garden, right? When Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent, um, what he tempted them with is to rely upon themselves rather than rely upon God. And then you see this again in Matthew 4 where this, this same verse is used when Satan came, comes to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. I'm not familiar with the story, but uh, Jesus was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness and then, and then it says he was done with fasting. So the time of fasting was over and then Satan comes to him and he says, why don't you turn this rock here into bread? I know you can do it. And what does Jesus say? He says, man does not live by bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so what... What was Jesus' response? What does that mean? Because Jesus at this point could eat, right? Because his time of fasting was over. But what Jesus, why Jesus would not do that was because he was not going to act apart from the will of the Father, right? He knew that everything comes from the Father, right? Everything good, everything true, everything right comes from the Father. And so, we cannot seize upon knowledge ourselves, right? And that's where. It, where you have in Deuteronomy and then also in Genesis in the fall and in Matthew, man doesn't live by bread alone. We don't live by our own knowledge, but we live upon the words that come from the mouth of God. And so Satan will, not only in those circumstances, but continually in your own lives, will come to you and ask you to survive upon your own knowledge. Do you guys get that? This is going to be a temptation in your life and maybe it's daily for you, Right? Satan coming and saying, you, just, just try to develop your own ideas of God. Just try. And you, you need to respond, no! Satan, I won't. You know why? Because man doesn't live by that. Man doesn't live upon his own ideas of God. We, we can't reach that high. We don't, have a, we don't have anywhere to stand on to... To even gain audience with God, let alone have right ideas of God. So no, I won't. Because man doesn't live by bread alone, but he lives by the words that come from the mouth of God. And that's the beginning of knowledge of God, is actually receiving what God is saying. Does that make sense? Because so often we we try to receive other than that. We we, we end up worshipping our own gods and, and calling it God. And it's devastating for us. Because then we, we go down that path for such a long time, and then we go, but where are you, God? <laughs> when really all along we've been f- following a false god. So don't receive, don't receive anything you can do yourself. Receive from the Word of God what he's, what he's desiring to give you. The Word of God is filled with, the Bible is filled with these proclamations of behold. Right? So, so God desires that you behold Him. And so, um, instances in, in Job and in, in, uh, Isaiah, Job it says, 36, Look, God is all-powerful. Who is a teacher like Him? No one can tell Him what to do, or say to Him, You have done wrong. Instead, glorify His mighty work, singing, pr- singing songs of praise. Everyone has seen these things, though only from a distance. Look, or behold, God is greater than we can understand. His years cannot be counted he draws up the water vapor and distills it into rain. And he just goes on and is just explaining, like, this: here is your God. Behold, stop living by your understanding. But live by what he is offering to you. In Isaiah 40, it says, a voice calls out. A, a voice says, call out. The voice of God is saying, call out. And then, and then he answered, this is Isaiah answering, what, what shall I call out? I don't have a message. I don't have a sermon this morning unless God said something. So what shall I call out? This is what he calls out. All flesh is grass, and all the loveliness is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your mighty voice, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Right, and it goes on, Behold, he will come with his arm ruling for him. He will be like a shepherd carrying his flock. Right, so so go, go to the Scriptures. Here is your God. Behold. Right? Like the song saying, Our God is greater than any other. Right? Our God. Who is that God? Who is the God it sings of? Right, you'll have no definition of that unless you go back to the Scripture. Because why? Because man doesn't live upon his own knowledge. Man doesn't live by the bread he eats. And we know that. We know that we can't be satisfied merely by what we can create, what we can t- do with the work of our hands. We can't be satisfied with that. But man lives by the bread, by the Word of God. And what that word is called is revelation. So God reveals Himself to us. And this is amazing. Right, so this is where it begins, where God actually speaks. speaks he actually tells us about himself, and he's clear. And, and, and this involves two parts, which is neat, because you can't understand Revelation without the two parts, which is a speaking God and a receiving person. Okay? <laughs> because God isn't... Because Revelation not only includes a God who's there, but also includes people who he's made to receive that revelation. So you're there. You're included in Scripture. You are. Why? Because that's what Scripture... He didn't, like, give Scripture and, like, like bury it in the bottom of the sea. Right? Scripture is also making a claim in its, in its very content and nature about who you are. Because you're a person that is meant to receive the words of God and to live by that. That's, so Adam and Eve, right, they received the breath of God and they were meant to live by interaction with Him. But then... And they, they listen to the, the serpentine song of, of no, no, you can achieve things apart from God. And so they started, they walked down that road, and they walked down that road. And then the revelation of God comes. And it's incredible because it doesn't show our desire as much as it shows the desire of God to speak to a people and tell them their story and his story and who they are in relationship with him. And it's the beginning of the relationship, is the Bible, right? Why do we have the Bible? Oh, because God wants us to know about him. And it's amazing. So he acts in history, and he explains history itself. History needs explanation. And that's, that's what the Bible's doing. It goes back, it gives huge historical accounts, and then it explains them. Like, we went over in the story of Joseph this last week. Oh, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Joseph's explaining the last crazy 12 chapters of Genesis. Where weird things are going on. You're like, I don't... Wow. <laughs> you know? Uh, we, people are acting, and they're, they're acting because they're, they're selfish, or they're acting because they just, they're trying to protect themselves. And then all of a sudden, Joseph's like, No. You know, what we've been doing, God all along has been working. And we can see that. So, even history itself needs explanation, and God can do that. Because God stands above, but speaks into what is going on. Um, So, we live upon the articulation of God. Are you guys with me? That was the first point. (laughs) Okay. So, how should we approach Him, is the second question. Which is really important, because if, if this is God, so we realize that He's huge, He's mighty, He's creator... Uh, And he wants to communicate, but but we know sitting here, it's been hard to hear that, right? It's not it's not easy to hear the voice of God. It seems like there's just a lot in the way of that, which has been led led uh, so many just to say, well, well, there's no God. There's there's no God that communicates. And I I listened to a sermon yesterday that was actually really helpful. And this is the way the, the the guy put it, and he says um, it really comes down to to well, why why do we even want knowledge of God, and what does that look like? Um, he says, do you love God because He makes much of you, or do you love God because at great expense to Himself He frees you to make much of Him? So you guys see the distinction, so. So when we, we've established this point of our need for revelation. Then do we approach that relationship because he's making much of us? And he's... Because he's, uh, he thinks highly of us? Because we want to hear that, right? Or, or do we... Do we approach God because at great expense to himself he has freed us to make much of him? And this is what that sounds like in scripture. In Ephesians 1, 12-14, it says, God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the, the good news that God saves. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God guaranteeing that He will give us the inheritance He promised, and that He has purchased us to be His own people. And that's, that's awesome. We love that, right? So... <laughs> So God not only saves us, but He gives us the Spirit guaranteeing that we'll have inheritance for eternity, for those that come to Him. But then this is the last part of it, and this is what makes it hard. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. (laughs) So that changes it a little. Because, (laughs) and this is what makes it hard, because we, we realize that we need to be, find security in something other than ourselves, that we won't satisfy ourselves. You've, you might have tried it. Right? It's just a truism that, that you alone will not satisfy yourself. Um, but, but since there's not security in that, we want to find security in a God who gives meaning to us. But the story doesn't end there. The story is that God is doing this to call glory back to himself. And the reason why that's hard is because because then we ask like, well, is this love then? Who's it for, right? If, God, if, how do I approach you when, when I come because I need security and then you're saving me to glorify you? The, do you guys get the tension there? Because we, want to, we just want to hear, God, that you love us. <laughs> but then God's saying, I love you. And so, I'm saving you to give glory to me. And that, that throws this wrench in our, in our way of thinking. Um, so, the, the tension, we'll, we'll try to work this out really quick. Uh, in that, that, the Bible doesn't make little of what God thinks of you. Right? So, the, so, it's true, Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I don't live, but he lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. So that's, that's the truth of Scripture. God loves you and he gave himself up for you. And in Zephaniah it says, he sings over you. So, so this is the fact of how we were made, right? That we weren't made to treasure ourselves, right? And that's where we have got off track is that we've tried so hard to make ourselves the greatest treasure of our own lives. Right? When we were really made to treasure God, and from that, we receive an Id- we have our identity. And so what it looks like is it says, uh, you don't need to sacrifice your desire to be loved and cared for and secure to find that God is all glorious and that He deserves your whole life. But in finding that God is worthy to be glorified and honored forever and ever, you're beginning to understand that that great God does love you and cares for you. And this is expressed in adoption. Right? Someone has to think highly. It has to care in the most deepest sense of the, the word. Care. To adopt somebody. And this is what it's called in Scripture when when God goes through this work of adopting us, right? To make us heirs with Him. And the greatest thing that He can do for us is welcome us into His family. We can see this view of Him and then begin to worship. Right? So we're no longer just caught up in ourselves. Because we weren't meant to be caught up in ourselves. So don't, don't feel like Like, security suffers when you come to Jesus. It doesn't suffer at all. You find security when you learn where to place your worship. Because there's that truth of, like, he'll go and he'll find the one sheep that's missing. Right? You guys are familiar with the story, and, and there's a parable, and it's Jesus will go and find one sheep who's missing. That's not the end of the story. The story goes on. Because the identity of that sheep is only found if it's in the flock, right? It's just a lonely little sheep, right? <laughs> Out there. Unless, as a shepherd. And so we always want to be like, okay, I'm that lonely sheep, just come and save me. Not realizing that our, whole, our glory is found in His glory, the glory of the shepherd, right? Who would save us. I think that's the best way to describe it. Right, so our security is found when we realize that we're part of God's flock. So, how do how we approach how do we approach God? Um, is is like we uh, I said before that we um, that we love God because at great expense to Himself, He frees us to make much of Him. Right, so real freedom is the ability to then worship and see God for who He is without constantly being caught up in with who am I. Because who am I only gains identity when we find out who God is and His desire for us. Does that make sense, guys? I think that's the easiest way to say it. So our, our, we find our identity when we find out that God's desire is for us and He's making a way that we can be a part of His family. So there's security in that. But what that calls from us is this, God, you are amazing that you would call me your own. Right? And so that's that's how we approach God. So revelation is us living on the articulation of God, and then our approach itself involves us realizing that God is all worthy and us finding ourselves in this place of just praise of that. So um, why it is important to think correctly of God? We're gonna, we'll end on this. Um, and, I, and I think we've, we've sort of gained a foundation for why it is correct, it's good to think correctly about God. Partly because we have to hear from Him, right? And He's, he's going to tell us things that are true about Himself. Um, but really, worship is only possible if, if we think correctly of God. Um, in Numbers thirty-two through 40, 4, 32-40, it says, Now search all history from the time God created people on earth until now. And search from one of the heavens to the other. Has anything as great as this ever happened or seen or heard of before? Has any nation ever heard the voice of God speaking from fire as you did and survived? Has any other God declared or dared to take a nation for himself out of another nation by means of trials and miraculous signs, wonders, war and a strong hand and a powerful arm and terrifying acts? Yet that is what the Lord, your God, did for you in Egypt right before your eyes. So explaining history. And he says, He has shown you these things so that you would know that the Lord is God and there is no other. So this declaration of Scripture again and again and again comes back to this point of just saying um, that the God of Scripture is God and there is no other God. And why it's important to have that correct understanding of God is because um, because we it defines for us not only um, his existence, but it defines for us our existence. And I'll, I'll explain this to you in... Do you guys want to watch really quick before, before we continue? <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> okay, so, so the story... Check this out. The story of Joseph, which... Uh, our community group went through last week, and I think some of you are going through next week. There's this part in the story, and I think this makes it intensely practical for our lives, is that there's this part in the story where, where Joseph has been brought to Egypt, and he's working as a slave in the house of Potiphar. And Joseph is getting success, and it says he's, he's a real stylish dude, and Potiphar's wife takes notice of him, and she wants to sleep with him. Okay, And so, daily, she's trying to coax him to sleep with her. And, and Joseph continually saying to her, no, how could I do this thing that would so offend God? How, how could I do that? Because Joseph's heart was to please God. And so there's one day when no one else was in the house, and, and she co- she, she's trying to coax him, and so she grabs his robe, and he runs out of the house. And I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was thinking, so what is he running to? Right? And so this is, this is when it comes down to reality for us is, is God is not the God of the philosophers because he's not merely attained by our own reasoning like we established before. But God's not only, God's not merely the God of the moralists either who are just trying to say, just be good, be good, be good. Right? Because when we turn from that temptation and then run, what are we running to? Right? Right? But Joseph had this amazing knowledge of who God is, that he was running away from that sexual pleasure, that temptation. Why? <laughs> because he was running to the arms of God who he knew was satisfying. So we will never, ever go to God and and go against these other ideas, right? Even our own ideas, unless we go to this true idea of God that is satisfying. So o- oftentimes we're like trying to go through these weird these weird rituals of like convincing ourselves of something, instead of actually going back to the scripture and just saying, God, who do you proclaim yourself to be to us? Because we're not merely leaving something, but we're going to a God who has desire for us and has revealed that to us in the scriptures. So then we enter this spot of just saying, well, what's your desire for me, God? God? And, and he articulates this in the scriptures phenomenally, right? In Deuteronomy, it sounds like, oh, what I want, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength. This is life. You're just going to receive blessing from this. Right? And that's what it sounds like when, when uh, they ask Jesus too, what does that look like? Love. I love the Lord your God. Do this and live. And so it's really, really important that we we get this clear understanding of God from what He's offered to us. Because, adult, this is what idolatry is. A.W. Tozer said this, and he said it really well. It's, it's just having uncorrect thoughts about God. Right? So we can, we can build a lot on uncorrect thoughts of God. It can be a God who um, merely wants us to be materially comfortable. Right? And so if we worship that God and worship that God and worship that God, then, then we'll find ourselves in this incredible hack. because we haven't actually heard God's desire for us. So, the next few weeks, uh, this is what we're going to be going over. The attributes of God, just what God has declared himself to be for us. Right? The wisdom of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the justice of God, the wrath of God. And all these things. That, this... He, Right, and as this is in Isaiah, here's is your God, right? Here's God, and worship Him. Um, and as I, I, Erica said during the sharing time, she says, "I encourage you to read the Word because it revives your soul." So, don't merely go through life just saying cool things about God and thinking you'll get by because of that. Merely having uh, maybe a theology of maybe some books you've read, or something that you've cr- a, a God that you've created for yourself, um, but go to Him, because it begins by a relationship with Him that He's made possible not only by revealing His Word to you, but by making Himself available to you through the Person of Jesus Christ, who the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right. So. The hope that I hope you, we enter these next, uh, these next weeks with is just that we really can know God. And the reason why we can know God is because the desire started with Him, that we would know Him. Um, and in that, we would have our life. So, uh, I'll pray for us. And, uh, and I encourage you, as we go on these weeks, really enter the Scripture humbly. Um, God says, I'm with the humble and contrite and those that tremble at my word. And so we'll never be able to enter this with an arrogance. (laughs) And so really enter with humility um, as as we're going to be prayerfully just asking God that we can be really honest and truthful with you guys about his character. Because this is a daunting task, right? Knowing God. But set yourself to this task and there will be incredible blessings. So behold your God. Let me pray for you guys. Father, God, help us be still and know that you're God. God, as you will be exalted um, in the whole earth, God, I pray you'll be exalted in our midst too as, as we sing, as we, as we speak together. God, that we'll just honor you in, in our thoughts and, and go through that work, God, because there's so much crap that we've built up, um, this plaque in our hearts or, or tar in our minds um, that is has held on and makes us keep trying to find, um, keeps find, trying to find happiness in selfishness rather than happiness in seeing you um, and receiving your salvation that you're offering. Oh God, we can only do this with your help God, by you interceding for us. So God, we seek you. Um, God, just be praised in our midst. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.